Hello, and welcome back to the Tea and a Buddy podcast. I'm Dominic. And I'm Erica. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about famous rock sites in London, yeah. England. Um, some, some, some are f- quite famous. Some are, you know, you might not have heard of. You they're mean, not just Beatles sites. They're not just wondering. Beatles sites, yes. <laughs> Erica was very concerned that I was just putting up Beatles sites. Actually... There's only a couple on here. I've got ten in this list that I compiled, all by me little self. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I've got a little list and a little blurbs and everything. I mean, because of like the whole swing in London. Swing in London. There's a lot of. There's a lot. T- there's know, a lot more than just ten, obviously. What was I going to say? The swing in London, like period, time period, or like you know, anyway, yeah, what, whatever you want to call that. The yeah. whole swing in London era <laughs> the sweet well 60s the 60s yeah. yeah um but because of swing in london there's like a there's a lot and i can't believe that we've never done we've never we've never talked about the size and no actually, we've never i don't think we have no and actually this was sort of inspired by we saw a random um youtube video of somebody a random I, youtube video i eh? don't even know if we really I can't remember who we saw. Who, it was who someone. Was. Anyway. Um, yeah. It was a random one. And and we were just like, we've never talked about all the like... All the famous rock like and roll, roll kind of... history. Because, you know, we're music lovers. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we don't for, just love the Beatles. We love all the music. Yeah. All the music in the entire world. <laughs> but there's a lot to talk about in London. And, yeah, I don't know. It was just like, it just struck us that we had never talked We'd about We'd never done this before. And this is a completely new topic for you all. actually never. Yay. I mean, I don't know how many of, I don't know what sites you've, you've compiled. Well, here. I've compiled a few. And I know. Let me just tell you. And I know that you and I have visited what I would consider to be some rock and roll historical yeah. sites. Rock and roll history. But probably just like a very small handful. I very small, I think. In, in the broad, like... In the broad spectrum of things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I looked up a list and then I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, we haven't... I mean, a couple of these um, sites we've visited mm. and a couple we haven't. Yeah. So yeah, maybe no, we have little stories to go with. Certain maybe sites. we have stories to go. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> You'll have to listen and find out, won't ya? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the first on the list is Twenty Three Haddon Street, West End. Okay. What's that from? I don't know. This is becoming a quiz now. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Um, <laughs> Twenty Three Haddon Street. What happened there? Um, where were you on the night of? No, I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't really sound that familiar, I don't think. Haddon Street? No, no. No. Nope. Nope. I've got nothing. It was the album cover of David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust, which oh. was his, like, his launch, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, his, like, launch into superstardom. 1972, Ziggy Stardust... He recorded. Ju- they just finished the recording of the album, and they everyone Is wanted that to go the home. The lightning bolt. No, 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 no. He's standing on a street. It's just. It was just. It's just off Carnaby Street. Yeah. In central London, and it's in like an anonymous, Carnaby shabby street back street. In, Carnaby Street. Just as a little aside here, Carnaby Street in itself 
has a lot of rock and roll history. Well, yeah. I mean, not, actually, I mean, I not, not, nothing nothing on here well, is... No, well, not except so far for this, as, like, I, I guess. Not but, so far as, like, clubs or, yeah. you know, music stores or venues of, or, of any kind, but just the people in the stores and things like that on Carnaby Street, they were very entwined in rock and roll history, like yeah. Mary Quant, and then I think Vidal Sassoon had his... Shot yeah, shot yeah, Vidal Sassoon, yeah. And then just, you know, all the stores on Carnaby Street were very, like, they sold the mini skirts and the, you know, yeah. the go-go boots and yeah. <laughs> everything you associate with, like, um, mod London, you know, like, oh. we had to turn off our woozoo, if you heard that little <laughs> woozoo. <laughs> I had they to turn off the wuzu because I, I forgot it was on and it's on the floor. And because it's very hot in here, it's probably blowing on the mic. So you probably heard a <laughs> or something. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, but yeah, I just had to turn off the wuzu, yeah, the fan. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to have to do this over. We've got over. the ceiling fan over, but yeah, you know. Yeah, the ceiling fans are bad enough. I can't imagine, you guys, what <laughs> what you must hear on these podcasts if you're listening Birds. in... in yeah. Birds and kids, kids screaming, screaming dogs barking. <laughs> you know, we're not exactly in a soundproof studio here. One day we will be, though. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> Very low budget. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're quite low budget, but you love us, don't you? Yeah, we still deliver the goods. Well, hopefully. yes. We try, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Haddon, well, Haddon Street. Yeah, yeah. Haddon Street, it is. Oh, Haddon. Uh, it was one of the most iconic albums ever made 1972 Ziggy Stardust and it's now impossible obviously to recreate from the same angle due to a restaurant that's there now okay yeah you know and it's changed a lot since 1972 but it was just one of those things where they you know everyone wanted to go home and they just got a quick shot of him and that became the album cover okay and they colorized it and I think they they took him down to a phone booth or something for the back yeah um down the street Mm. and you know they colorized it to make him look alien and you know and all that kind of stuff and that became the album cover then you know okay huh so everybody like oh yeah you know and where whereabouts is this it's just off carnaby street oh in, right, yeah, yeah it's a back street yeah right, right, right. okay but yeah and there's the, that you know it's just kind of like those kind of like a quick sh- shot of bowie in the studio doorway and one in the phone booth yeah and that's it you know that's yeah. all you need i mean none of these like i mean today everybody thinks about their like well, I mean, not so much anymore, but back in the 80s, people were thinking about like, oh, I've got to hire this £15,000 an hour photographer to take a photo of a white wall, you know, <laughs> and have it looking great, you know. I mean, it really just depends, doesn't it? It depends on the artist, like how simple or how abstract or whatever they want to go. Like, this is just making me think of... um the street in Hamburg where um, Jürgen wasn't it Jürgen Volmer yeah um, photographed John Lennon yeah just like hanging in a doorway and then John yeah. later used that photograph as his rock and roll, roll album, album yeah yeah so you know it's like it just everybody on thought the that was in how... Liverpool too but I don't think it was no no it was it in, was in Hamburg it was yeah in Hamburg yeah. Um, yeah, because I've seen so many people go to that location. Yeah, and they, I think and it they... was just outside the Indra, or maybe oh, the Kazakh, yeah. something, yeah. 
I'm not sure, but but yeah, I mean, it's sort of a similar type of thing, isn't it? Just a quick photograph, and and it becomes yeah. like iconic. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, well, any picture of the Beatles is now iconic. Well, I think yeah. you know, mm. um, with the Bowie, you know, it's like the the, the Ziggy Stardust one. No, that was um, that was another album. I can't remember what he used that on. Yeah, actually, that mm. might have been a different. Um, that might have just been a photo of him. Maybe, you know? yeah, I don't. Um. The next one is Electric Avenue in Brixton. What's that famous oh, yeah. for? Um, I, I'm not sure, actually. Um, Electric Avenue. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Eddie Grant's 1982 hit. <laughs> We're gonna rock down to Electric Avenue. God, who would have thought that was an actual place? It's an actual though. place. <laughs> it's the home of the world's first market to be lit by electricity. Oh, really? Yeah, hence the catchy name. Nowadays, the market still exists, though there is an indoor one just off the avenue. Electric Avenue has some of the most beautiful Victorian terraces in London. Many passengers of the Windrush settled here in 1948. (laughs) As it was the closest to the labour exchange... And, you know, to the closest labor exchange to the temporary accommodation to the new immigrants that had been put up there, you know, because the um, passengers of the Windrush, that's where they all kind of like okay. stayed around there, you know. Okay. Wow, that's and then, uh, of course, after years of appalling police and community relations, Brixton exploded into rioting in 1981. Oh, God. And it resulted in like police inquiries into racism and stuff, you know, and Eddie Grant's 1982 smash hit, we're gonna rock down to Electric Avenue. (laughs) That was a hit over here, apparently. Yeah, (laughs) apparently, what, because I knew it. Yeah, (laughs) but Electric Avenue is a real place, and he was talking about a place in Brixton, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we haven't been to Brixton at all, I don't think. No, we haven't. We need to, it's in South London, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we haven't. We have crossed the river like once, but just we just crossed it a little bit. Yeah, we yeah. just got we just got on the south bank. Yeah, that's all we did. We didn't actually further we, we were go just further on south. The river, really, you know, have to go to Peckham and you know yeah. do the only fools and horses. La 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 la. Um, the next one is Battersea Power Station. Uh, it's quite a famous that? landmark. Well, it was a famous landmark in itself. I don't think it's a landmark anymore. I think it's all luxury flats now. Yeah, I mean, there's a shot of that in like Help or something, isn't there? Well, yeah, because it used to it used to be a it used to be a pa- um a power station up until 1983. I remember when we were. Wow, I think we were going to Kent, maybe. We were going to Leeds. Yeah, Castle, we passed it. And you were like, there's Battersea Power Station. I was just like, yeah, it looks like Didn't a plant. Didn't well, Looked like a plant. But yeah. it's one of the most famous plants in the world. Because, I mean, I'm from the Texas Panhandle, you guys, and there's a lot of power plants up there. Like, I've seen a power plant before, you know. I wasn't that impressed. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah great. I mean, you need to be a millionaire to live there nowadays, but nowadays, but. In you what, know, at Battersea Power Station. Yeah, they've redone the Did whole you... Nine Elms. It's called now. Oh, okay. You know, it's like it's not Battersea Power Station. It's Nine Elms now. They've because they've turned the actual plant into the power or, station. Or they tear it the, down? Uh, they they converted it into luxury flats. I think they're <laughs> oh my still. God, okay. 
<laughs> but I mean, because it it kind of remained kind of like derelict for a long time, and they were talking about what to do with it. Oh, but yeah. back then, it was kind of like a poor area. Oh yeah. And it was the on the cover of for Pink Floyd fans out there. It was on the cover of Animals in 1977. Their their album oh, with the okay. there was like a floating pig and stuff on it. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. Um. People used to say they lived in Clapham Junction to hide the fact that they lived in Battersea, you know, because it was that poor of an area. Then gentrification happened and, you know, yeah, all that I mean, I, stuff. I don't think anywhere around London is really that poor yeah. of an area. I mean, you know, relatively. Relatively <laughs> now, yeah, no. I mean, you, you, the, the poorer areas are being pushed out, Yeah, you know. It's kind of like around here. I yes. Think. Uh, the power station itself was designed by Giles Gilbert Scott, who also designed the classic red telephone box. Oh, wow. Um, and during f- the photograph- um, the photographing of the cover, the inflatable pig broke loose and drifted into Heathrow airspace, <laughs> causing some consternation. The shoot had to be abandoned, hence the cover consisting of a composite pig. <laughs> the power station ceased to generate in 1983 and was the site of numerous redevelopment ideas, and now it's, okay, yeah. you know... Luxury residence complex in the twenty teens. One of those classic kind of. We have a we have a little area sort of like that in downtown Austin. Actually, that they're kind of like, oh, what do we do with it? What do we do? It's not used anymore. Yeah, you have like a power. It's right by the. It's right by Town Lake. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, Yeah. I've seen it. (laughs) Yeah, I see it. I see it. I don't know what you're talking about. But I thought it was still generating, Mm -hmm. or it's just. They're trying to, like, convert... They're going to knock it down and stick an office block there. They haven't used it in years. I think they're actually talking about making it, par- like, park space? Parkland? I, they I probably know. should. Yeah. They, they could probably deal with, like, having a lung, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think so. Um, 25 Brook Street in Mayfair. Okay. Well, Mayfair is yeah. going to be some fancy, some fancy people. <laughs> yes, fancy, fancy people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know these addresses whatsoever. Yeah. When you're when you're reading me these addresses, like they mean nothing to me. Twenty five Brook Street. No, I don't know Mayfair. Now Mayfair. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of rich people are from Mayfair. <laughs> I don't know. Um, composer Handel. Lived there oh, for a long t- for okay. a, for a while, from seventeen twenty three till seventeen fifty nine, and next door to that was J- where Jimi Hendrix lived for a while. Oh yeah, in the sixties. Oh no, he died in a hotel somewhere okay. in London. I I don't think it's a hotel anymore. That's not on the list, funnily enough. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, it was like where white people like to go visit where someone died anyway. The um. The Handel and Hendrix Museum now has both of them. Wow, that's really interesting. And you can go visit each, and I think they've, like, redone them up and stuff, and they've just kind of, like, put, you know, because, you know, it's from, like, the classics to yeah. contemporary, I guess you could call it. Yeah, I think that's Handel. Hallelujah! Yeah. Hallelujah! Wait, is it Hallelujah Chorus by Handel? The Messiah. Handel's Messiah. I don't, I don't know, yeah. Handle. We might be wrong, anyway. But it's where many of his famous works were composed and performances of music take place throughout the year. And Jimmy Hendrix lived briefly at the Hendrix flat in 1968 and 69. Previously available only to view during London's open house weekend, it's now fully open to the public. Oh, wow. 
that's so cool. So yeah, that's a Han- Handel and Hendrix museum, yeah. Is that house where is that Jimi Hendrix's house where like Ringo no. lived for a little while? That how Funny you should mention in, How many houses in London did Jimi Hendrix have? Well, he didn't have them. He he just lived in them. Because, oh. I mean, he wasn't really a, a resident of the UK. He yeah. just came to the UK and got famous, mm. like everyone was doing in the in the mid-60s, you know? Yeah. Sonny and Cher did it. Yeah. It was like America wasn't liking them, you know? <laughs> like Jimi Hendrix... Oh, nobody and, likes us here. We, we have to go to the UK now. No, J- Jimmy, <laughs> that's what the Rolling Stones told them. It's like, oh, you're not going to have any success here. You need to go to England to get famous. Oh, you know, because yeah. you'll be like mysterious and you'll, you know, you're American and whatever and you can yeah. sing and, you know, they'll lap you up there, you know. Yeah. It's like the, that's where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of like Jimi Hendrix, you I think know. early on, a lot of blues singers had popularity in Britain before they had like big careers over here, didn't they? They they went like Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters, went to, went John Lee Hooker, um, Buddy Guy. I, I think it still happens here. Um, I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> no, like, it, it was... It is just the, like you're exotic like we don't know you and it was it's it's a combination of that and it's a combination of people who are like really into this kind of stuff that there's enough of a interest to generate media yeah exposure you know mm-hmm. whereas in america it was very like oh you know only you're only really known locally not nationally you know so yeah i guess it's like with muddy waters and stuff like that he was famous in like the the 50s you know he, he he was like playing blues records he got a thing yeah. and that that was imported to england yeah but you know they were having very limited success over here yeah and it, it wasn't like mania success mm-hmm. that the beatles enjoyed in the states and you know and all yeah. that so when they came over in the 60s because people like eric clapton and um the Rolling keith richards and stuff were talking about like oh yeah they, they were my favorite artists in people interviews. in interviews with yeah. you know like in britain it was like Oh, okay. Those guys are the like inspirations. So they'd come over for a tour, and they'd be like, "Whoa!" You know, everybody, and they'd just be like, "They'd just be like, what?" You know? Yeah. Um, like that's what I always say about Elvis. You know, like, yeah, his career would have taken an upturn had he been allowed to tour Britain. Yeah. I mean, he would have raked it in. Mm-hmm. He would have like Britain, the Europe, you know, the world, whatever. It would have been. The music market, let's say, has always been quite controlled in this country, I guess, you know? Yeah. It's like, we we have always sort of been told who is popular, you know what mm. I mean? Rather than us just liking someone yeah. and then becoming popular because of that, yes. you know? There, you know, you have all the marketers and the promoters and everything. And you yeah. have that to a degree everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just seems a lot more so over here. And it's always kind of been that way. I think that maybe with the advent... We always talk on this podcast of how the internet has changed things so yeah much. i mean you get famous on the internet you know you'll get a following YouTube. pretty much youtube I mean, think or about how many yeah. how many modern singers justin bieber yeah started because they gained a following on youtube and that yeah. was all of their own accord you know yeah. that was all of their own doing really um they're 
audience found them rather than yeah rather than them being like like marketed (laughs) yeah shoved down people's throats Mm -hmm. yeah yeah shoved in people's faces yeah i mean that's true yeah um the next you were talking about how many houses did Jimi hendrix live in <laughs> the next one is flat one 34 montague square marylebone that's an address i know that's <laughs> the address that you know <laughs> yeah um i think that it's possibly the flat that saw the most rock and roll action <laughs> in london yeah no no pun intended no pun intended i think it saw it saw pretty much everyone yeah because it was it was leased by Ringo Starr in '65 for, um, you know, somewhere for his him and his family to live. Because he, I think, he just had his first child, and you know, he'd got married to Maureen, and they were like, "We need to live in London because you know I'm recording here and yeah. the Beatles and all that." And then, of course, you know, it was like their um, people advised him buy buy houses in the stockbroker belt away you can get away from the fans it's good property investment whatever Mm -hmm. so that's what they did but he still kept this lease yeah at this flat in london you know for like whenever he was back you know he could go crash there or whatever yeah um it was a ground floor and lower ground floor like the cellar basement in the original house Mm -hmm. dwelling and he briefly lived in the flat and then after him paul used it paul mccartney oh did he and he wanted he moved moved out from living with jane he would know he was still living with jane but it was quite close to abbey road so he wanted to use it as like a little demo studio so he had like tape uh, tape stuff and all that and he recorded like demos of like i'm looking through you and i think he worked on some songs there briefly and i think it was just kind of like a crash pad for yeah his girlfriends at the (laughs) time you know yeah um, and so, you know, he gave it up then when he, when he bought Cavendish Avenue. Yeah. And then like next year, Jimi Hendrix moved in cause I think he needed a place to live. So cause did he were... rent it from Ringo then? He rented it from Ringo. Yeah. He paid rent to Ringo. <laughs> that is just so hilarious. Every, like, every week Ringo would be round. Ringo's but Ringo like was, Ringo, Ringo was leasing it from a guy okay. who owned it. Okay. I don't know who this guy was. So he was subleasing it. He was subleasing it, yes. <laughs> but he was, you know, he was renting it from Ringo. Yeah. And then Jimi Hendrix moved in after Paul left. I didn't and know that Paul lived there. It was, all. it lived, it was like well, very briefly, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he moved in with his girlfriend, and I think he wrote The Wind Cries Mary there and everything. And then, you know, he got, under the influence of LSD, he whitewashed the walls one night. Oh, yeah. And so Ringo had to evict him. Because <laughs> you can't alter the flat. That's it, Jimmy. You're out. You're out of here, you know. <laughs> and then it's and then he, like, he, he leased it to like people who wanted, needed, needed a place to stay in London, you know. Yeah. Various people. Didn't John and Yoko also stay there? That's, that's, <laughs> that's when it all came crashing down is when he allowed John and Yoko to live there yeah. after they got together. And so they lived there and the Two Virgins cover, the infamous Two Virgins oh, cover yeah. was shot in the, in the front room of it, you know? Oh, okay. And then of course oh, that infamous that, drugs bust mm, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they raided the 
the place <laughs> and, you know, arrested John and Yoko yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And the, and so the landlord had finally had enough and said to Ringo, I'm taking you to court because... She's letting know, all these other people You're letting all these, live, all these other people live there and it's notorious and, you know, it's been in infamy. And so he tried to, like, let Ringo still have the lease, but only he or a family member live there. But oh, Ringo yeah. was like, nah. And he he just sold the lease back in yeah. 969. He's like, I don't need it, really. I don't need it now. <laughs> and there's a blue plaque there now. In 2010... Oh, in 2002, a music label owner... Reynold De Silva bought bought it for five hundred and fifty thousand pounds. For some reason, I don't beating a rival build bid from Noel Gallagher. Uh, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, and then in twenty ten, Yoko unveiled a blue plaque at, at the place, saying John Lennon lived here. Okay. And uh, one of the quarry men, Rod Davis, was in attendance. He says he probably would have laughed. They should have put a bit about the drugs bust. <laughs> On and on the bottom, you know, because it's just like that. You got a good chuckle out of that, you know. There's a blue plaque there for that, you know. John Lennon was uh, busted for drugs lines. here. Busted for drugs here in 1968. We didn't go there, did we? No, we didn't. Yeah. And it's like one of the most famous places, yeah, you know. We need to go there. Yeah. So next time we're in London, we'll go in there. Mm. Um, the next one is uh, a hunt the hunt the the hundred club. Okay. In, at a hundred Oxford Street. Oh, I don't know this one either. You don't know this one. This is I probably one of the so. most famous. It's like a renowned West End basement club. I wondered. Yeah, I was like, you're not listing any of the clubs. Like, there's so many clubs. Oh yeah, no, I forgot. I I, I didn't we'll have to really do a part about, two, maybe. Maybe do a part two. Yeah, <laughs> but this one, the hundred club, it started out, and it's still going. It started out. <laughs> Why'd you give me that look? Because you know most of these places. It's still it's still going. You, you, may, you may think it's not, but it it's is still, still going. going. Um, <laughs> it started out in October 1942 as a okay. oh, as, wow. as the Feldman Swing Club. Oh yeah. So it was a swinging place back then, you yeah. know, and it was like jazz mecca for jazz fans mm. who wanted to go there and see everyone. Yeah. But 1964, that's when rock and roll kind of came to the town. Yeah, and so everyone has literally been there. Jimi Hendrix, the There's Rolling a lot Stones, of the jazz clubs, you know, in Britain switched over mm. to rock and roll. <laughs> like, well, well, yeah, I mean, they've they got like, to make money, haven't they? You know, yeah. it's just like oh, jazz. It's like what's popular now. It's not jazz. It's rock and roll. You yeah. know, and then punk rock came along, and it became like a punk rock club. Oh, really? That's really cool. And you know, like the Sex Pistols, you know, the Clash, the Jam. Everyone played there. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, it kept going. And I think there was like... This is on Oxford Street? Yeah. So we must have passed it. Yeah, passed it. It's and a small did... little place. It's, just, it's between it. like Boots and... and <laughs> it's next door to a... Oh, no. It's between like Boots and another shop. You you, you, you miss boots it. Boots and Primark. <laughs> Probably something like that. Oh, God. And in the 1970s, there was... It even had a Chinese takeaway in it. What do you mean? Wedged in between the male and female toilets. <laughs> there was a little Chinese takeaway. What? Where you go get a Chinese takeaway and go watch your inside rock and roll. Yeah. Well, yeah, inside the club, yeah. <laughs> that is so I mean, it's weird. not there anymore, I guess, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, like Oasis have played there. You know, I think that they were going to close it at one point, but then they kind of like saved it. Yeah. You know, because it's like preserve it for like history because a lot of bands have played there. Mm. But yeah, 
That's cool. The, the hundred, the hundred club. Well, that's a definitely the one hundred club. I should call it. That's definitely a place I need to go. That's oh, good. that is so cool. Yeah. Um, the next one is the Two Eyes Coffee Bar in Old Compton Street in Soho. Um, that one sounds familiar. Oh, is that in the background of the picture of the Beatles walking through no, Soho? I, no, it, it, it isn't. Why um, do I know it? Okay, it was, well, tell me about it. <laughs> it was basically a skiffle venue. It started up because of, like, in Brit- post-war Britain. Yeah. Everyone, it was kind of a conservative tea drinking place. In Soho. It's in Soho, yeah. I mean, it was a conservative place in no, Soho? No, 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 no. Br- Britain was. Oh. <laughs> so okay, they yeah. decided to like, oh, you know, things were happening in America. They like, they, drinking coffee was an American habit, you know? Yeah. So they were like, oh, we're going to open up a coffee bar, you know, because it's like, it's cool, it's hip, it's trendy, it's American. Yeah. Um, And we'll have like skiffle bands and jazz bands and stuff like that. Beatniks. And beatniks, kind of like that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. And then that was in like the mid 50s. And so... You know, it was like rock and roll music culture started there in London. They yeah. call it, I mean, it's not there anymore, but they've got a plaque saying the birthplace of British rock and roll, you know. Okay. Because people like Tommy Steele and Cliff Richard were discovered there. Okay. And Adam Faith, too, actually. And hmm. it was inspiration for the Casbah Coffee Club up in Liverpool. Oh, really? Mona Best yeah. heard about this place in London that all the kids went to, and she thought, we should have that in Liverpool. I must have make read a killing. about it in one of the biographies that I have. Oh, yeah, lo- loads of people played there, but it only... The Two Eyes. The yes. Two Eyes it's coffee block. And I think it briefly featured in, like, the Beatles' early years when they came down to, like... I know it was Alan Williams who came to the coffee to came to the Two Eyes to recruit British musicians to go to Germany, okay, and you know do out there you know make yeah. a load of money. Mm. Um, but yeah, people like Tommy Steele, um, Adam Faith, and Cliff Richard probably names you've never really heard of. Maybe Cliff Richard. Well, yeah. Um, they became like they got their start at the Two Eyes, you know. Yeah. And it st- it was going for y- and many big names played there except for the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Oh really? In the sixties, so, yeah. Sounds like it would have been somewhere that the Rolling Stones would have played that kind of. Surprising. Um, and it closed its doors in nineteen seventy because mm. you know by that time everyone had you know they, it wasn't really well, making yeah. much money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's now a fish and chips place oh. known as Poppies, and there's a plaque there, <laughs> but it's like a touristy kind of place. Oh you yeah. Know, so, yeah. but yeah. Um, the next one is One Logan Place, Kensington. Hmm. Who lived at One Logan Place, <laughs> Kensington? Um, yeah, no. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the house was known as Garden Lodge, or still is known as Garden Lodge. Doesn't that give you a clue? Nope. It was built in 1908 for painter Cecil Ray. And it's two stories high with eight bedrooms and a pedimented Jeez. studio wing with a large bay window. And that's a notable feature. Two stories high with eight bedrooms? Yeah. An eight-foot high wall surrounds the garden with dark glass doors set into it that provides an entrance. Freddie Mercury bought the house for £500,000 cash in early 1980. Oh. And he lived there until he died. Oh. Okay. That was his... 
that was his place, you know. Yeah. And it's quite, uh, it's you know, it's quite hard to find. Yeah. It's in Kensington, but it's kind of like set back. Oh. And it's like, how can you hide a house like that, you know, yeah. really? But it's like, it's got a height, it's got walls around it. I mean, yeah, it must be quite wide, which is not really super normal in London. I mean, I saw, I saw like a I mean, shot of it from like the, bedrooms. from the thing and it looks, it looks huge, but of course, you know, it's like set back and then there's like, like, I guess, terraced houses at the back of it, you know? Oh, okay. So it's kind of like set off from, yeah. it's like a little, like, Sort little of back like street, a, like a muse type of thing. type thing, yeah. But it's like takes up the whole block. It's like an acre of like land or something. Yeah, well, it would have to be because most like because it's got like a walled that... garden and everything. Because when he moved in, he 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 redecorated the place. Yeah, and you know, and he had the garden done and everything like that. You know, and he just you know that's where he lived. Because most houses that would have eight bedrooms in yeah. London, I would think they'd be like four or five stories tall. You know, yeah. because most of them are like terraced houses in London, so they have to yeah. go up rather yeah. than out. <laughs> you know, so eight bedrooms. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Mary Austin lives there because I mean, he basically left everything to her in his oh, will. Yeah. yeah. And she still lives there today. Hmm. And of course, fans put on the wall. You know, the wall was like covered in graffiti, mm-hmm. and they continue to like seek it out and. But in 2019, um, they put she, she must have had it all removed, all the graffiti on the oh, wall yeah. and stuff, and put a new back door in. And there's like a warning now: graffiti is a crime. And oh, really? And points out that security cameras are in operation. So it's like she's getting she's getting sick of it now. That's kind of sad. I mean, I, I mean, it's sad that you know, like, like you know, because it's like like they're def- like they're just... not like they're coming up to your front door and doing it, you know. Yeah, or writing ugly things. Yeah, you know, I'm sure it's all just like it's we, all just we miss you, we yeah. love you, you know, whatever. Like um, Abbey Road in Liverpool. I appreciate the fact Abbey that Road, they... Abbey Road in Liverpool. Ab- Abbey Road. <laughs> Abbey Road in Liverpool. I don't know. I don't know. That was Abbey weird. Road. Abbey Road. Yeah. Like Abbey Road, you know they. They allow it. You yeah, go, they you they allow it. And then, 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 then the council just, just paint over, it, paint over it. Yeah, yeah, it's like, um, yeah. But that's yeah. That was Freddie Mercury's house, and I mean, people know who are Queen fans. <laughs> we'll know. We'll know <laughs> where he know, lived. People know who Freddie Mercury yeah. is. Yeah, people do. know where he lives. He lives in Liverpool at Abbey Road. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, next one is Three Savile Row. Westminster. Yes, I know this one. In July 1968, the Beatles bought it for their Apple Multimedia Corporation. Mm. And the studio was built in the basement. Although it was poorly designed, the Beatles recorded Let It Be there before a new studio was constructed in 1971 at an estimated cost of $1.5 million. Mm. Um, Various artists, including Badfinger, Mary Hopkin, and Mark Bolan, recorded in the basement studio until it closed in 75. That's when they moved out. Oh, yeah. And Apple kind of wound up. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well. You know, as technically. Yeah, yeah, ish. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, their final live performance was on the roof in yeah. 1969. Yeah. We've been there. And, you know, it's... You know, there seems to be some kind of... Because, I mean, it remained, like, after 75, I don't think anyone really moved in there. I think it remained kind of derelict. Oh, yeah. For a long time. Hmm. Until, like, various things just moved in, like, for, like, five minutes and then moved out again, you know? Yeah. 
And then Abercrombie and Fitch moved in there. They put their kids store there Mm. in 2013. And there seems to be kind of some confusion because that closed in 2020. And there's an Abercrombie and Fitch store at number 42. Okay. But then people go, oh, no, number 42's closed, and they're back at number three now. Okay. And so the whole place is there now. And so it's like... Only someone it, in London can tell us. <laughs> only someone who's who's lives close can tell us what's yeah. going on with that place. Yeah. So, yeah. Me and Dominic have big dreams if we ever get enough money to buy that place. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to purchase the lease in it and make it a... <laughs> Maybe we'll tell our patrons we can't we can't afford to let our plans leak to the general po- population just in case we ever yes just in case we ever have millions and millions of pounds. Well, we almost you know? won the lottery the other night. <laughs> almost. Almost. We we didn't get any numbers, <laughs> but we had a ticket, and we almost won the one billion one point thirteen billion, wasn't it? One point. Three, I think. After taxes, that would have been what's a paltry seven hundred and something million. But <laughs> you know, what can you do? We're in the we're on the breadline here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh uh, the last one is Abbey Road. Oh, in Liverpool. In Liverpool. <laughs> okay, that joke's dead. <laughs> that joke's not dead. We don't do dead jokes here. We we just keep them alive by digging them up again. <laughs> Uh, Abbey Road Studios in St. John's Wood, you know, it's possibly the most famous studios in the world. Yeah. You know, it was started life as a nine-bedroom Georgian townhouse in 1831. Yeah. And then it was converted to flats. And then in 1929, the Gramophone Company, which eventually became EMI, mm. uh, bought it and converted it to a studio. I'd really like to tour it because I don't understand, you know, we've seen video and stuff of the inside... It goes back, and apparently the you know the does it go uh, you know, underground also? I think it's got a basement. Yeah, it's yeah, got because the, the yeah. rooms inside some of them look absolutely huge. No, and I from mean, the outside it looks tiny. Like. It goes back and it goes down, and I think there's there's um uh, a basement as well. Yeah, I really cannot understand how you know it's a little bit of the Doctor Who thing, like it's <laughs> bigger on the on inside. The inside. <laughs> Uh, they you know the next door there's the Abbey House apparently they own that too and that was like to house musicians and stuff. Is you that know? next door? I thought it was across the street. No, it's it's next door. Okay. Because I remember when I was there once on my own, mm. a New Zealand couple were like taking photos of Abbey House and going, so this is the famous studio. So oh, I was like, yeah. actually, it's that one. <laughs> that's that's the studio because yeah. they were just taking photos of this abbey house yeah thinking oh yeah this is it you know <laughs> and i was like and they said oh and then the guy says to me so this is the famous studio is it uh-uh. and i go actually no <laughs> that's it the white building there you know yeah and he's like oh god we've been taking photos because of it this. says abbey road studios but it's quite small isn't yeah it? Right, above, right above the door it's like yeah really, yeah yeah it's like really teeny but yeah no i i definitely would like to because I think you can tour. They do give tours. They don't they? they do. Yes, I think it it opens, and I don't know if you you know you have to pay a what, but it I think it opens, like uh, every like so often they allow oh. members of the public they give out tickets or whatever you know, and yeah. someone can come to a studio. I two mean, I think or I think you can get tickets to performances and stuff. That yeah, are, that are there sometimes, but because um, they do like live radio performance. They they do and and you know some artists do live at Abbey Road. Yeah. And it's a little bit like um 
Austin City Limits, isn't it? You it's know, a little the, bit. The show, yeah. I mean. Well, yes. It's like a live kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've never seen. You see those those old pictures of the Beatles in the studio, and the the ceilings look really tall and they look really teeny there. Yeah. Like, well, Studio like, One is huge. And I'm just like, how? How does this fit inside of this place? Studio One is like the orchestra room. Studio One was like, it's like massive. It's yeah. like built to house like a 35-piece orchestra. Yeah, well, they did um, All You Need Is Love there, didn't Yeah, they? that was where they yeah, did it. Yeah, and they, they had all the yeah. orchestra and all the people, and like there were just so many people. Yeah, um, and of course, like that was where like um, they score all like the... F- since the 80s, they've been films. scoring films there. Yeah. Harry Potter, Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Um, Indiana Jones. Uh, the Most of the MCU films. You know, Lord of the Rings. You know, pretty much everything has been scored there. I mean, it only became like a rock and roll kind of like studio in 1958 when Cliff in the Shadows performed there, you know, oh, yeah. recorded there. Yeah. And that's when it started becoming like our groups can come in and... Yeah. And record, you know, because before that it was just orchestra music. It was music. EMI, was it? It was EMI, yeah. Yeah. Parlophone. Because it used to say EMI above the door, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, EMI, well, they owned it. I think they still do own it, but I think Universal but have be- taken them over but now. because of the Abbey Road album, they yeah. became... Is, Abbey that, Road is that when they became Abbey Road? No, I, they, I think that was much later on. They, oh, really? They managed to make that a brand name, yeah. you know? They show the, it's, you know, it's, it's like the, with the crosswalk, the crosswalk and, everything. and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the Beatles were the most associated act with that studios. Yeah. And, and then they cemented it with their final album, you know? Mm, yeah. So. But, all, but John Williams did all the, all the, like, yeah. the, some of the most famous movie scores. Yeah, Star Wars, Harry Potter. Yeah. 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 John Barry and John Williams and, you know, everyone, everyone's recorded there yeah you know i mean everybody wanted to record there after the beatles too you know well, yeah, yeah everyone wanted to go into studio two and yeah do their thing you know yeah i mean i suppose that probably is the ultimate rock and roll site in yeah. london isn't it but I think a lot of great albums are recorded there i think you definitely left some stuff i let I, I mean that was 10 things and, yeah. and i think we'd we're pretty much done now. Oh my we're, gosh, yeah, yeah. We're way past the time limit, way past <laughs> our bedtime here. We're just rambling on here. Um, let us know if you want us to do a part two to this, because I think that we could probably come up with maybe We'll this. come up with some stuff. <laughs> we might be able to come up with this many more, I think. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe not ten more, but... I can find some stuff to come up with. They might be sort of a little more loosely... Related to well, rock yeah, and roll. Yeah. But no, I think we can come up with I mean, London is a big city. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of history there. Yeah. I a lot really, of history there. Okay, yeah. I was yeah. going to talk about one that I thought we'll we go. were going to go. It's a bonus on. one. No, we won't. No. We'll put it on the next one. Yeah. Okay. We'll, put it on. well, you have They'll to have to listen. They'll have to You'll have to listen. <laughs> and I'll have to listen too because I want to know what it is. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much as always for tuning in. We really appreciate your support. Be sure to check us out on social media. We are at T-Buddy, T-E-A-B-U-T-T-Y on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.